Hi, welcome to Love Work, Skills for a Relational Life. I'm Christy Gaysford, and I'm here with my co-host Jerry Sander in New York. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Christy. Good to see you. You too. Um, today we are talking about, the topic is, do words even matter? And Jerry, I kind of wanted you to introduce this. Yeah, words. We listen to a lot of words every day as therapists. A lot of them are hurtful. Some are intended to be healing, but they don't land the right way, or they're regarded as insincere, or they're worded improperly. Then we hear a lot of words about people thinking about themselves and their past and other relationships, a lot of words. And it would be easy to walk away thinking that therapy and relational work is about a lot of words. But I want to present a different point of view today, that the words are not the main thing. And if you think about the most beautiful, powerful experiences you've had in your life, ask yourself if a bunch of words were involved in that or not. And if it was something else that was powerful, what was it? Hmm. That's interesting. I'm thinking of uh, a look you had with someone who became special to you, a kiss, crying, hugging, walking along, holding hands. There's a playwright who I'm going to be talking about. His name was Harold Pinter. He said, the more profound an experience, the less articulate its expression in words. Mm. I guess I would ask you that question, Christy. Can you think, I know I'm kind of blindsiding you here, but can you think of a time in life when a real powerful experience was there for you and there were no words were totally inadequate for it? I mean, yes, definitely. Um, most of, like, the beauty of nature, I feel like I feel I feel so many things, but I can't put it into words. Mm-hmm. Um, same same with like sacred moments of like holding a child's hand or holding your partner's hand, mm-hmm. or when you just are together and you just feel so close, but there's no no words needed. Um, yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. of a quote, I wish I knew the author, but it was another um, thing like that was, a grief that is too deep for tears. Mm-hmm. Also reminds me of that sentiment that sometimes mm-hmm. things are just so deeply felt, mm-hmm. we can't express them mm-hmm. in words or tears. You know, it's just like some of those things are just so so deep. And And even in attempting, sometimes we get it wrong or screw it up uh, a favorite <laughs> way of saying this was the playwright a different playwright Samuel Beckett who wrote Waiting for Godot he said about words how sometimes true 
they often, oh no, how sometimes true they almost always ring. Mm, <laughs> how sometimes true funny. they almost always ring. Yeah, yeah, they just fail to capture it. And this is part of the problem. When people want explanations and let's say apologies, and when someone has really hurt someone else, I mean, we all know the the kids say or teenager who was pointed out that they've done something bad and they've hurt someone and they go sorry okay it's just like okay they said the word sorry why am i not feeling anything why am i not feeling it means anything yeah and and similarly um i think with couples there's just an energy mm-hmm. so whether even if there's no word said, you can kind of sense their energy. What, what they're saying volumes with the the energy that they're putting out. You know, whether it's anxious or peaceful or angry or agitated or or you know calm, whatever it is, like you can really sense it. Absolutely, and sometimes these the people who are least connected in an empathic heart way with each other, use words the most. They just start mm-hmm. telling big stories and filling it with things. It reminds, mm-hmm. here's another quote from the same playwright. Oh, let me give you the, um, the background for this. This playwright was criticized for using long, he was an unusual in his use of words and dialogue because he used long pauses and silences Mm. and carefully crafted expressions and weren't clear what people were getting at. So critics were asking him, do your characters even communicate well? You know, are they communicating at all Mm -hmm. with words? And here's what he said. I think we communicate only too well in our silence, in what is unsaid, and that what takes place is a continual evasion, desperate rearguard attempts to keep ourselves to ourselves. Communication is too alarming. To enter into someone else's life is too frightening. To disclose to others the poverty within us is too fearsome a possibility. So again, they asked, don't we share a common ground with our words? And he said, we do, but it's more like quicksand. (laughs) Mm. So we are communicating in our quietness and in our silences. And what we pick up on as couples therapists, when the camera goes on and it's a Zoom couple, or if they walk in the room in your office in person, you immediately get a sense when they sit down or the camera goes on of what exists really between Mm -hmm. the two of them and they haven't started saying their stories yet and that that's so very interesting yeah and i mean it can be a snapshot it can be different different weeks of course Mm -hmm. but you you definitely can sense the energy in in the moment definitely yeah so There have been times when someone starts talking up a storm and we try to, uh, I'll just speak for myself, I try to redirect them to what's going on in their body right then 
or what they're really feeling, not the narrative that they're weaving together with words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems some people. It seems like they do feel like they need to tell you every single thing and almost like they're presenting to a jury, you know, I need to get my whole argument out every single piece so that you can, you can see everything that you need to see to be able to set my partner straight. Yeah. It's almost like presenting evidence. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you have those folks come in sometimes and they do that to you too? Like you were judge Judy and they're giving their case and they want you to make a ruling or something. Mm hmm. Yeah, my um, one of my favorite stories is my client that admitted it to me after. He said, I really thought I was going to come in here and you were going to tell me that my partner was crazy. You were going to tell us that I was right and he was nuts. And I, like, I love your honesty because so many people, I think, feel that way. I think they do. They want, they want to hear, um, boy, you are a hero for putting up with this. I have no idea how you do that because they're nuts. They're horrible. They're awful, you know, (laughs) and it's not, it's not what they're going to get, but for rare situations, it's usually what's not going to happen in couples therapy. The shocking moment to a lot of couples is understanding that the cure doesn't come from me or you. It comes from them learning to reach for the other person reach across that circle of health for your partner because you want them and you need them and you miss them right and i think the step before that is the shock when they realize they're part of the unhealthy system and they're doing something to contribute to the behaviors in their partner that they don't like Not that it's their fault, but they're contributing to the dance or the pattern. And that moment can be humbling. Like, oh, there is something that I'm doing as well. And and if they can accept that and take it in and start to work on themselves and be accountable for their part, then things can really start to shift and they can reach toward their partner. But if they if they just keep believing that it's all him or her, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. there's little movement. Mm-hmm. An interesting subgroup of all this is people who've been authentically really traumatized in their past, significant trauma. And I, I do want to do another podcast about PTSD and kind of the uses and misuses of, it, of that concept within a couple. But what I found is that very often the person who's really been traumatized a lot is the most quiet about it. They're not walking around saying, I've been traumatized, you know, I've had trauma. They're not. They're just acting in traumatized ways. Mm. Their, Their body speaking and their defenses are all up and they're, you know, ready to protect themselves at a moment's notice, but they're not walking around saying, I've been traumatized, I've been traumatized. That the right. ones, ones who are doing that tend to be kind of lesser traumatized. In fact, I found people could minimize the trauma when they finally start talking about it. 
you know, like they'll say, when I'm taking the, in the first session, first double session, one person's listening, the other one's talking, and they'll say, my father was a very strict man. Mm-hmm. And then they'll get through that all. And then the other partner will say when they're done, you didn't tell them about the beatings. And I'll ask, and they'll say, well, yeah, you know, there were the beatings, and, you know, we got beat, but we learned to deal with it, you know. Um, so it's not an over-reliance on words. There, some of the work may be to try to help find an expression that could include more words, or just, you know, crying or giving into some basic feeling about it. Yeah, this is a little bit sidetracked, but um, it is hard. A lot of people feel like they can't go into their trauma in their family of origin because they feel disloyal to their parents. And they love their parents, and they're grateful to their parents. And so, or other reasons, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they just feel like, I have to protect them. I don't I don't want to talk bad about them. And um, so I just think, as a, a side note, it's really important to, you can love and respect your parents and at the same time hold space for, for the fact that things happened that in your childhood that did hurt you. And it doesn't mean they're bad people, but it does mean that this happened to you and it's going to keep affecting you unconsciously unless you're con- conscious about it, unless you become aware of it. So you don't pass it on to your own kids and and bring it into your current relationship. So trying to hold a space for both of those, I think, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. It's not about blame. It's about, it's about uncovering who we are and what shaped who we are today and what is acting out unconsciously. And how you want to move forward into your future with your family like this person I'm thinking of made a real determination. He's not going to beat his children. He would never do that. He doesn't want to do that. He's not going to do that. He's going to have a different kind of relationship with them than his father had with him. Um, Back to do words even matter. I wanted to say um, yes to some people. They matter a lot more than to others because there, there are the love languages and for some people they just need time or they just want physical touch or they they want acts of service or that that's enough for them they just want to feel close in in those ways but for other people words of affirmation is their love language and if they don't hear the words they don't they don't feel loved that's absolutely right it seems to me that there's an example of words really mattering like kind words, words that show you recognize your partner's contributing and mm-hmm. and that you're a team. So I'm guessing words can matter when they're not overused, when they're not automatic or defensive or a smoke screen or quicksand like Pinter was talking about, that if they're really intentional maybe that's the key Mm -hmm. i mean telling someone i love you and i love our life together is different than saying sorry when you drop something you know it's very different Mm -hmm. it's very intentional 
And another way to look at do words matter that I was thinking about is um, some people are really good at using words, but their actions don't measure up. And so people start to feel crazy because it's like, yes, well, he keeps that. saying, mm-hmm. he keeps saying he loves me and he wants to marry me. And um, he keeps not proposing or making plans for the future. So, but every time I bring it up, he says, no, I do love you and I do want to marry you. And so I keep waiting and waiting and month after month, I'm still waiting. And then he never wants to marry me. So, so now I feel crazy because his words are so different than his actions. And so what do I believe? In those cases, I say, believe the actions. I do too. Always believe actions. Mm-hmm. You know, the real Judge Judy wrote a book called Don't Pee on My Leg and Tell Me It's Raining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Al- oh, that's good. Isn't that good? I'll always believe actions because words can, as much as they can be intentional and beautiful, they can be a smokescreen or a delaying tactic or something like that. Mm-hmm. What I tell a lot of clients, the word, I'll tell you a sentence that I hear that drives me nuts all the time in terms of use of words. Yeah. There's two sentences I have. The first is, I'll try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And I immediately tell people nowadays, Yoda says, do or don't do. There is no try. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Must have upset Jerry. But that's the truth. It's the truth. I get tired of hearing people say, well, I'll try and be more, you know. No, Mm -hmm. really try. In fact, try and accomplish it. Because change is not so easy. And it doesn't, change doesn't happen from saying, oh, I'll try. Right. That is not how things change. It has to be very intentional. Yeah, yeah. The other sentence that drives me crazy is when people say, it is what it is. (laughs) Usually it's men, but I've heard it from women too. What does that mean to you? Like it's uh, just I'm heartbroken and I don't know what to do about it and I don't want to talk about it. You know, it's it's another Terry Real has a book called I Don't Want to Talk About It. It's another version of that. It is what it is. Maybe nowadays the book should be called It Is What It Is. It's kind of blowing it off. Yeah, and minimizing. I don't want to deal with it. I'm it generally covers over heartbreak. Heartbreak is a very vulnerable feeling. What are you mm-hmm. supposed to do with heartbreak? Go get hurt some more? Right. So it is what it is means I'll carry on with my heartbreak and lower my expectations. Life doesn't really work out anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's sad. It's sad. I was going to say with some people, um, some people are very literal. Mm-hmm. So words matter a lot to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had the people that say, no, this is exactly what you said, and you just lied to me because you just changed what you exactly said before. Or, you know, like, it, it's just interesting how different personalities play out. But if you're married to someone that words really matter, oh yeah, then your word really matters. They're not going to oh, yeah. put up with you saying one thing and changing it or doing another. That's Oh, like, we've seen... I've seen people go nuts with like, 
I didn't say we'd be traveling to your mother's house. I said we'd be stopping by your mother's house. You know, say mm-hmm. it right. Like, I, we didn't make plans to travel. We we're going to stop by, you know. Like, they can get nuts about mm-hmm. words. Yes. They can. They can totally dissect it. And then, then there's the whole fight about what was really said. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, mm-hmm. no, I didn't. Yes, you did. I said it this way. No, you said it this way. It's so, so interesting, right? But mm-hmm. what is beneath it? I mean, that's the point where we have to try to get what's really beneath it. It's something about respect or connection or making... Or safety. 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 Can I really trust you? That's what is usually... What I've seen is usually behind those things is how can I trust you if I think you said... Th- if, in, if Yeah, I think you said this and now you're saying this. Now I can't trust you. So it's, there's a real fear mm-hmm. of who this person is and can I put my trust in them if they're going to change their mind or not remember mm-hmm. or go back on something they promised. Another example of words really mattering is hurtful words. Mm. Hurtful words. It doesn't take many. And they're not easily forgotten. It's a lot easier to hurt someone in a flash than it is to heal that 5, 10, 15 years later. You find that people are still holding on to certain things that were said to them by mm-hmm. a family member or a loved one? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Those are tricky, I have to say, as a couples therapist. Those are tricky to me because... Some people, they're they're hurt so deeply, which I totally understand. And the person apologizes. They think profusely. They think they've addressed it and apologized. And the person can't seem to get over it. And so then the other partner starts to feel kind of like backed in a corner or desperate or angry that it doesn't matter how many times I apologize, you're going to keep holding this over me. And then the person who is hurt is like, I'm not trying to hold it over you. I just, I'm still hurt by it. You know, like I can't, I can't seem to forget that you said it. And those are tricky. It is. It goes to the question of who is the person who really said it? Like, who is the real person? Was that not the real person revealing themselves? Or... You know, it always drives me crazy when some politician is, or some sports figure or some celebrity is caught saying something really awful on tape or something really prejudiced, really mean, really sexist. And then they're looking down, reading from an apology the next day, saying, I'm sorry for whoever was hurt by what I did, and um, that's not who I am. Okay, then who was it who spoke, you know? <clears throat> who was it who was speaking? That's my. But I question. love. I love that you brought that up because that's what I usually do in session. Like, it was his triggered adaptive child who was saying those things out of a hurt place, trying to protect himself. Mm-hmm. And and I know it was hurtful, but that isn't how his wise adult really feels about you. And so, being able to separate that part of your partner, like really helps a lot because does wise adult jerry think that i'm a 
a stupid, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever, <laughs> or or was that adoptive child backed in a corner, Jerry, who was just trying to like protect himself because he felt backed in a corner and I was coming on strong or whatever. It, it's it's very different. If you can forgive it, if it was the child that was really triggered, based yeah. in, instead of the wise adult that's just totally no. I I really just think you're stupid. I mean, that's somebody you run from, right? But. Yeah, but we that all is have someone mom- you run from. Yeah, right. That's very that, to me. That's very different. Like that's an abusive person who uses yes. words effectively. And not that it's not abusive when the adaptive child says it, but it's still very different if you can see it that way. Mm-hmm. The whole well, it also depends. To me, it depends on frequency. Uh, yes, I mean, I'll speak yes. very personally about this one. I'll volunteer this one that uh, okay. my mother who's now gone, now passed away. When when I was in high school and in a period of um, significant differentiation or rebellion from her, and my parents had gotten divorced. I grew my hair out. I had hair then that grew out to a pretty tangled mess. And um, I was happy with it. And I was having breakfast one morning before going to school and she came in and looked at me and said, you are grotesque. Mm. She didn't say your Ouch. hair needs cutting. Ouch. She said, I was grotesque. That and I, I looked up the word in the dictionary because I wanted to remember it. And it was mm. something like something awful that does not appear in nature that is misshapen and you know just it was just awful and i again like is this a bad day for mom being an adaptive child or was it part of a pattern and i learned over the course of the next couple decades it was part of a pattern Mm. that she was mean and abusive in significant ways but so there's a difference to me whether it's a one-time dumb thing someone says from their most vulnerable adaptive child or if it's one of the five times that person is extremely mean and abusive to you. Or 50, right? Or 50, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that that makes a difference. People close to you can use words to hurt and reveal who they really are even if they'll later deny it. And mm-hmm. the later denial often is a type of gaslighting. You know, you're oversensitive. I don't know why. I never said that. Why do you take these things out of context? All of which my mother did say to me. Mm. So, um, And c- conversely, like a, a wise adult who, who, is, who said things when they were really triggered can take, will, will take accountability and say, that was really hurtful. I shouldn't have said that. I was I was super triggered. I was feeling really defensive. I I felt this and this, and I I'm so sorry. I sh- I hurt you. I should not have acted that way. Mm-hmm. And I hope you can forgive me for that. Mm-hmm. That's someone who has insight. So we can forgive each other because we all act bad. We all have an adaptive child, and we all act badly on our bad days, especially when we feel really hurt and, and triggered by something. Um, but if somebody's pervasively like that, 
it's different. Hey, you know, one thing we didn't really talk about is silence. Uh, what does it mean when one person wants to do a whole bunch of talking and connect that way and the other one's just kind of not oriented that way, just kind of silent or quiet? You have thoughts about that? Run into uh, that? Yes, I do. <laughs> that can be tricky. That can be t- very tricky. I I see it on both sides, too. It's like the talker is like, I just want him to play tennis with me, like meaning word tennis. Like mm-hmm. I just want to have this dialogue back and forth, and mm-hmm. he's just so quiet. I, I lob him the ball, and he just lets it go past him. And the guy who's letting it go past is like, she just wants to talk all the time and mm-hmm. I just have nothing to say. I don't know what she wants from me. I just, I just, I have nothing to say and she could talk forever and never run out of anything. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's more extreme. Yeah, but I think it goes to that issue of love languages again, mm-hmm. as you were pointing out, that the very thing that someone may be not a big talker and that person may be building a new room in the basement so the family can have a family room or something, you know, like, that's pretty cool. I would watch the actions. If the actions are consistent with withdrawal, that's something else. <coughs> but if right, ju- just right. not talking isn't indicate that person doesn't love you. Right. That's key. Like, is he not talking to me because he is withholding from me or is he just a quiet person and I can't take it personally mm-hmm. but I can I can say hey I feel kind of lonely I'd like to have more discussion with you sometimes I'd and we've talked about the five different types of intimacy you know mm-hmm. doing physical things together that are not sex and then um, emotional emotional inti- uh, what intellectual else? yeah spiritual, spiritual and and then sexual, yeah. Yeah. So people tend to gravitate more towards one or the other, and that's all okay if they're reaching for each other. I think, you know, it's embarrassing if you're the one trying so hard to talk and you're being met with silence. Mm-hmm. That's when you start telling yourself, I don't know if this person likes me. Yep. But it, I wouldn't rush to that conclusion at all. I I actually had this situation last week, and they, a couple was in a car. They weren't talking. the 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 wife made up that she was boring, so he didn't have an, he didn't want to talk to her. And the husband made up that he was boring, and because he had no no way yeah. to contribute to the conversation, mm-hmm. it was so interesting that they were both being hard on themselves, and and sitting there like beating themselves up. When it wasn't true for, for either so of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that kind of goes back to our last podcast, Catastrophizing. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. we, it, it, the, the meaning we give to something is so important. It's hugely important. can like help make or break moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the stereotypes about men and talking and words. Yeah, say something more about that. Well, we tend to do it ourselves, except the stereotypes, which is I'm not a big talker. We're not big talkers. The women 
the women folk like they could talk all day they just start yakking they're they're yakking while they all go off to the bathroom together they're just constantly talking and that we tend to be more quiet now it's either that or the opposite of guys totally dominating every conversation mm, and being yeah. the one-up narcissist you know in the room who won't allow a woman to speak even i, I don't know just i think this is pr- probably a broad generalization but i don't think men are socialized nearly as well to carry on a, a two-sided conversation like a lot of men just they're either quiet or they when they decide to talk they talk at you and oh, oh say more about that what is that they like? just they just start to explain things or talk about their point of view or, you know, teach you something or, but there's not a lot of back and forth. Like, well, I was thinking about this. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I was thinking this. Oh, oh really? Tell me more about so that. That's so interesting, Christy. That is a female identified by stereotype way of talking. You know, what, what you just said doesn't feel natural to a lot of men mm-hmm. um, and but the complaint the women say when they come in is he talks at me mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to go back and forth so we as men don't like to join in in these conversations unless we know what the answers are going to be and what we're supposed to do about it this is what i find with a lot of men is they'll enter a conversation if it ends with so what do you want me to do about it that just reflecting or talking about what it's like to be you is difficult. And I would challenge Does it feel it. like a waste of time, do you think, to men? Or? I think it sh- potentially feels vulnerable, like I'm going to show myself to be kind of dumb or I, I don't like not feeling clear about what to do and what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. It's just a vulnerable area. You have to be comfortable with vulnerability. One thing I see in men is I'm afraid I'm not going to say the right thing. Yes. And she's not going to like the way... I don't really understand how she wants me to be, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. I would encourage women to... If you've got a guy and he's starting to talk, please let him, quote, get it wrong, unquote. You know? (laughs) Just let let him say it however he wants to say it. And it's part of what you said, the back and forth, the ping pong. Of, I don't know. I didn't see it like that at all. Oh, how did you see it? Oh, I saw it but like what this. But what if what if he he's he just says it, but it it you almost always feels like talking at you. I think then that has can, to be explained to. I think that has to be explained to a person of what that feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen guys try to be helpful, and 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 come across as big blowhards who are doing that talking at women mm-hmm. you know when they're feeling like no i'm trying to explain how to construct a shed you know <laughs> yeah or like i feel stressed about that well you don't need to be stressed about that because this and this and this and this and th- and if you just do this and this and this and sometimes this is what happens because you know like they just take it and then you're just sitting there going that's okay. so true isn't it that women as a group tend to want to have their feelings acknowledged and heard not fixed and turned into actionable <laughs> things, you know? Mm-hmm. And guys are listening to it often for like, what do you want me to do about it? And Yeah. 
I'd encourage my fellow males to just, you don't have to do anything about it. Uh, there's a saying in Al-Anon, don't, don't just uh, do something, sit there. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, so just sit there and listen and, and look at the person in their eyes and be able to repeat what they said if they want to hear it back. And then you could give a feeling as a response, wow, that's got to be a difficult feeling or something. You don't have to fix mm-hmm. it. Ask more. That's what women want. They want you to be more curious. Curious, curiosity. So, all right, we did a good overview of like ways words can hurt. They do matter. They can help someone feel seen and valued. They can be misused. They can be a smoke screen. They can be gaslighting. They can be lackluster, can, not yeah. meaningful. And there can be a lot of closeness without words. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good challenge for a couple is to see how how to express the closeness without as big a reliance on words all the time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a fight. Uh, now yeah. we're going to have a fight the wrong way <laughs> and then a more relational way. And uh, the situation we put together is that I'm a guy who comes home to my wife. I've had a hard day at work and I open the door and there's her girlfriend is over the one whom she knows I don't like. I just don't like. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess we'll do it where she's just left, right? The girlfriend okay. just left. Okay, yeah, so she's there. not there. Okay. Oh, boy. Way to go, Christy. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I'm having her over. Having, uh, you know, Dolores over when I came home. Yeah, I had Dolores over. What's, I what's noticed. Wrong with that? I noticed after I had my forty-five-minute drive home. It should have been twenty minutes. I walked in and there was Dolores eating snacks and hanging out and chatting. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. She's my friend. What? What's your problem with Dolores? I know you don't like her. Dolores but is like a new age flake. I mean, come on. She's like up there in the clouds, La La Land. She's. She's, 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 she's you really want to, do I have to tell you what's wrong with the, no, you don't, but you know what, I f- it feels really controlling, like you're telling me I can't have somebody over that I want to have over, like, what, did I, you don't get did to I tell say me that, to did be I say with? that, I just said way to go, yeah, well, what do you mean by way to go, it sounds like you're judging me and my friendship and my friend, we've talked about her, Unless you don't remember. Yeah, I know how you feel about her, but that doesn't mean I don't. I can't be friends with her. So it's more important to have her here. Did she eat all those those black pepper peanuts (laughs) that I have for me? Did she eat all of them? Are there any left? I saw her eating them. I don't know. I'll get you more if she ate them. Jeez. It's not the point. The point is like. Why are you so upset about it? I don't like her. You know I don't like her. So what do you want me to do? Never have her over? Just not That's plan the- her being here for when I come home after a rough day. Like, you don't even ask me about my day. Is it's How's Dolores' day on 
cloud nine, you know? She wasn't even here that long. I can't believe you're saying this. Like, How's her God. spirit animal doing? All right, Rude. I guess we need to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't that do it that funny. way, folks. I'm glad it made you laugh. Okay. Well, how could we do this better? Uh, I'll do better. All so right, you, I'll do you better, start sorry. the same way. And well, I'll, I was pretty. I'll try, to be more, <laughs> I'll try to be more relational. Hey, if any of you are listening or watching who recognize yourself and what I was doing, you know, <laughs> learn from this, okay? Okay. Whoo, way to go. That was rough, Christy. I know. What is it you know? Oh, oh, you just started the fight. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm starting the fight. Uh. Okay. <laughs> fight round okay. two. Okay, okay, got oh, it. Oh, way to go, Christy. Way to go. Wow. What do you... Wow, what are you talking? What's wrong? I'm what talking about it took 45 minutes to go around five miles on on I-91, and and I all I can think of was going to come home, put my feet up, you know, have some of my black pepper peanuts, and um, open the door. Dolores is here, eating my black pepper peanuts and smiling and talking about channeling something i don't know i don't know she's like a new age flake and you know it i don't even want to debate that yeah well it sounds like you had a really long day a really did. hard I commute did. i did it was really i don't think there was anything that went right today it was actually about the sixth or seventh thing that went wrong today oh i'm so sorry what yeah and i may be a little harsh about her i just i don't know for some reason she must have said something to me once that just you know, like when you're aggravated and someone goes, oh, how do you feel about that or something? It's like, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And, and I never <laughs> recouped. Maybe she's not a nut. I shouldn't say that. It's just, I know you like her. And I respect you. If you like someone, you know, it's probably good reasons you like someone. But I was just not in a mood for her today, you know? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I... I, I I love her, but I understand how she can be annoying to you. And and uh, I'm sorry she was here eating your snacks. I can see why you were annoyed. I would be annoyed too if I'd been if I were you. I mean, it sounds stupid, but like out of my head, if I get home, I wanted a tomato juice, cold tomato juice, and then some of those peanuts. And uh, and then you get home yeah, and she's like, oh hi, you. Dolores. Oh, that's so annoying. When How's you things in your universe? Up. Good. How's this spirit animal? Oh, good. Okay, you know. Yes. just I just had to be social. and that's I don't mean to worst. sound snotty, but... Um, when I you're just, not in the mood to be oh, social and someone's mood. sitting on your terrible. couch. Yeah. Well, thank you for understanding. Thank you for getting it. Yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. We start over, you know. Yeah. She's gone now. Let's get some touch. <laughs> she levitated out of here. Yeah. Good. That was better, right? Mm-hmm. So what I did, just for the listeners, because I didn't know how I was going to address that without making it about me and my friend and not doing anything wrong. That was wrong. good. So, 
So what I try to do is think about how can I address his feelings? And that's why I went right to, oh, it seems like you've had a really hard day. And that shut me up. I mean, you saw that, that I was like changing gears right there. Mm-hmm. It you, works. Yeah, if when you she can, said you've had a really mm-hmm. long day, I'm like, oh, yeah. I was ready to fight at first, and then it was like, oh, wait, I can't fight her. She's saying, she's acknowledging my truth. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. Wow. It works. If it people work. don't think it works because they think they're going to validate their partner and shove them further into that corner, Did but you, it really allows them to come out of it. Yeah, you didn't feel like turned into a doormat or taken advantage of when you did that, right? Not at all. Okay. Excellent. Well, I felt like stuff. a relationship guru. <laughs> 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 like, I know how to get out of this yeah. one. Well, we're good at this stuff, and uh, if you want more of this stuff, come see us in person in the boot camp. Take a boot camp in California in the end of March or in the clouds in April or in May we're in Salt Lake City so check out our website loveworkrelationships.com get in touch with us yes alright thanks Thanks, Jerry see you next time take care okay bye